So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, and to my north, and, well, Nikki Norlock. How are you, Nikki? I'm good Good-ish. I like that. That's a trick question. That's not fair for you to ask that on days when you know the answer already. Um, You you know what? But I did that. I, I tried that once. I just introduced you. And you said hi, and, 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 and then yeah. you said, you're just not going to ask me how I'm feeling, are you? And I was like, well, <laughs> apparently I don't have to. <laughs> it's totally okay. It's totally okay. I'm on the mend, I guess, would be the answer I'm choosing to give tonight. Absolutely. That's, that's the answer that I would go with. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, though. I've been, um, I'm wearing the headset, and it's not hurting and so, like, last week before this all happened, wearing the headset wasn't a comfortable experience. And I'm wearing it now, and it's not bothering me at all. So that's that's a good sign. That's it a very good that. sign. That's a very good yeah. sign. Things are much better. Uh, yeah. Because, like I said, even if things weren't much better now, they were steadily getting worse back at Thursday. So we've at least stopped that trend. Um, I don't remember... Um, teeth that have to be pulled being this much of a hassle. Like, I don't remember being, feeling this crappy for the the long amount of days that I did this time when I got it last time years back. But, I mean, hey, whatever. Um, The short and long for our new listeners or people who aren't following these sequentially, these shows sequentially, because sometimes you just pop around and and listen to whatever. I had a tooth pulled on Thursday, and I'm, it's now, what day is today? Monday. Monday. I'm still feeling wonky, and I expect way more from my body than that, so I'm kind of, Well, generally an extracted tooth, even if there was a little infection, an extracted tooth ought to feel better in about three days. But you had, they they found hidden treasure when they extracted your tooth. <laughs> so that may be an extra day or two, you know. Um, yeah. But, had to... and, and as long as we're mentioning, you know, roundabout, what is this time thing? Anyway, the, the waking up with Everyday Connection, the morning show, uh, we actually uh, probably would have done Friday and called it Farewell Friday instead of Fibro Friday. But right. Nikki... Nikki had to have this tooth extracted Thursday afternoon. It was my feeling and the feeling yeah, of like, sensitive friends of ours that it was really urgent. And um, 
Uh, yeah, emergency dental surgery right right now. Well, as soon as the dentist saw me and found the cyst and the that was like that. He was like, "Yeah, that's got to go right now." <laughs> Today. <laughs> <laughs> and and dentists yeah. don't often do that. They'll they'll reschedule you when they can make no, time and plan things. He wasn't and letting me out of the office. He's like, "Yeah, no, you can't get out of the chair. <laughs> Let yeah. me get my pliers." Sit, you stay. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. The morning show's gone. Um. And that's okay. It's quite uh, all right. It was an excellent idea. And I, to... it, it will likely rise like a phoenix, but we're going to let it Absolutely. do what it do, which is what we do. And we are going to, to complete the Fire of Fridays series by recording a couple of of Fibro Friday bits to wrap that Nikki series up. Nikki and I are just going to get on Skype with each it. other, and we'll do Fibro Fridays together. And because yeah, I need we'll to be there just for the occasional comments. Um, because I know people are really appreciating it, so I, I won't leave you but hanging. Um, a and big other than that, shout out we have... to, to all of our correspondents, to all of the people that were sending us good news, to all of the folks that were really right behind it. It was people were very, very excited about it, and and we really didn't have the time for it to grow into what it might have, based on their excitement. But um, this is our thing. Everyday Connection yeah. now. This is our, this is our thing. Yeah. And um, we said when we first, when Nikki and I first talked about this, you know, network and morning show and was, well, but, this, but the, you see now, this, that we, we can't do anything that will interfere with that. And we thought we could, we thought we were, I thought I was Superman and could do it all. And uh, not so much. <laughs> no, it's just um, I do it all, just not all at the same time. <laughs> and it really yeah. was. It was with the relaunch of your book, uh, the mm-hmm. exciting things that are happening behind the scenes about uh, Everyday Connection. Now, it, it just uh, and besides, we have so many awesome people that want to talk. We we could do five of these a week and not run out of people that want to talk to us. Oh, so absolutely. We're not going to do that. People, don't don't hold your breath. Not going to do that right now because yeah. we 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 have things that are very important to us and we know they're important to you and we're going to keep we're going to keep doing that. We're going to dance with the one that brung us to some extent. You could call it. Indeed. And uh, of the one that brought us. Um, yeah. And books being launched and all that stuff. We you have a really one. special guest tonight. We have a very 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 special guest. In fact, she is the first in in a in a long line of what I hope will be. Um, spattered over the next year of guests who were there for that original, um, original initial trip to the Philippines. But I didn't ask her here for that. I asked her here because I've been watching this young woman and um, her work, and I just have to sit back in awe of the young woman that she has become and grown into. Certainly, she was. Um, young woman trying to find her way when I met her in the Philippines she was working volunteering at Sauce and that's how I met her Shepherd of the Hills um, and then you know we kind of parted ways and um, weren't able to stay in touch all the time but certainly you know the beauty of Facebook is that you can watch and, and see what people are doing and I've been watching her work and she's doing some really important powerful stuff and it's not just the the path that she's chosen to take so much as how she's chosen to take it 
is why she's here tonight because she's tackling a really heavy, hard, um, painful, daunting issue, but she's doing it in a really positive way. So I'm really excited to have her here tonight because she's going to put a, a she's going to put that light spin on that we're always talking about on the show. You know, you can fight against something. Or you can work towards something. Um, and she's really embraced that attitude of working towards something. And she's integrating it into her work with, with a, in, within a really difficult field. So, yay! We love yay. that. Yeah. So, we do. We have with us tonight, through the uh, miracle of technology, yet again, uh, general, all-around, awesome human being, Hannah Tyson. Welcome, Hannah. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for carving time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us. Absolutely. And busy schedule it is. So I have a big question <laughs> for you. It's the first first question of the night. I'll ask it yep. and then we'll just let her rip. Hannah? Yes, Nikki. Who on earth, who on earth are you and what do you do? Well, um, I suppose that in a nutshell I would answer that by saying that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and an advocate of social justice and intentional living. That's, that's my path. It's what I do. It's who I am. Well, Richard, well, where do we go from here now? Yeah, that, well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty big bite right there, actually. You know, well, it's I, like, I, I, okay, well, that wraps it up. When it got into my brain, I thought, well, maybe this is like three things at once and it's too much, but all of those things are so interconnected in my life and I can't really have one without the other. So it all just came out in one big word blob for you there. So it's what it is. <laughs> but is that true? And that's, you know, that's one of the things we talk about on the show all the time. Why would you separate your spirituality from your work, from your personal life? Because you shouldn't. Um because they're kind of one and the same. I mean, there is no separation, really. And and you certainly should be doing for a living whatever it is you're truly passionate about, which would just naturally gravitate and become part of your life. So it makes sense. It makes total sense Definitely. that this is okay. I'm these three things, but I'm all of them at once, and they can't. You don't. They don't separate. They all go with me everywhere. Yep. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> It's, it's a lot scarier to live that way, I think. It's, it's a lot harder to open up all of the, the areas of your life and let them all bleed into each other uh, rather than kind of keeping everything neatly compartmentalized. Uh, but it's, it's so much richer and full, I would say, to, to open up and, and let everything kind of run together in one big, beautiful, messy life. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me of that thing of, you know, I don't want to come you know, safely arrive at the end of my life. I want to come skidding in, you know, sliding in in a worn-out body going, wow, what a ride. Um, <laughs> but we talk often about that separation thing and uh, of spiritual and physical and business. and How many faces, you know, you're going to have in the jar by the door? Mm-hmm. I only came with one, me. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, yeah, yeah. As my mom's generation, you know. Oh, well, let me put my face on first. And there was actually a lot of truth, I think, in that. Because mm. people, people did have a tendency to do that. And um, David Cole um, from the British Isles that's joined us on a number of times is always big on pointing out, look, listen, you're a spiritual being. 
you it's all spiritual. Yes? <laughs> In the ancient Hebrew, there weren't two separate words for spiritual and physical. It was just called living. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. that whole organic food thing, or as our great-grandparents called it, food. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I don't think I don't think Jesus ever taught of a separation. I mean, because it's not it's it's certainly not in ancient Hebrew. It's not taught in ancient Hebrew that there's a separation between your spiritual life and your life because it's all the same. Um, and I don't recall Jesus ever ever teaching about a separation either. So I don't know how we ever got that one in our head because it's a little confusing for me that you would have this life over here and then you would have that life over there and never the twins shall meet. It's kind of absolutely. Weird. Well, I think I think that you know just just for me the way that I look at it is you know within within the world of of Christianity and the teachings of Jesus Christ we kind of uh, separate we look at you know the trinity for instance and we talk a whole lot about god and we talk a whole lot about jesus but we don't often talk about the holy spirit and i think that that's such an essential part of of you know you know if we live by the spirit let's keep in step with the spirit always you know walking with the spirit and letting the spirit lead in every element of your everyday life and that that brings a lot of consistency uh, rather than that, you know, choppy, compartmentalized sort of thing. So that's that's definitely something to strive for. Absolutely, and I think that it um, it has served you really well. I, I remember sitting down with you in the Philippines and having this really because that was when I was I was out there wandering around and going, okay, why do these people think the way they think? Because I really wanted to know, um, and. And I remember sitting down and having this really in-depth conversation with you um, about your belief structure. Mm-hmm. And I had I'd really gone into the writing of the book from the outside looking in. And I, I'd been raised a Christian and, and you know, and was thoroughly convinced that most people were like me. They were Christian because they had been taught that that was the way it had to be and there was no other mm-hmm. option and blah, 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 blah. And then I meet you. And you're like, no, no, my parents taught me about this and that, and they gave me all these options, and they asked me to choose. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind, because... Choice? You were so... Well, but she was so grounded in her in her faith, you know what I mean? Like, she I shouldn't say she, because she's sitting right here, she's talking to us right now, but um, <laughs> you you didn't... You had gone out, you'd gone out into the world, you'd explored all these other beliefs, you'd done your research, um, yeah, you're certainly was, not uninformed. There was um, never any type you, of cloistering, that's for sure. Right, Just and very, then you made a, a choice that was best for you and your heart, and you followed where it led, and it has served you really well in that you've also done that with your relationship. You're now happily married to an absolutely amazing man who just makes you smile and smile and smile some more. It's ridiculous how cute these two look <laughs> together. It's just disgusting. Um, <laughs> your family life is, is super awesome and supportive. And now you're also doing what you love to do for a living as well. So it just speaks volumes about how well it serves to to not compartmentalize. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's where everything began really for me, you know, is, is, uh, 
just having that personal relationship with with my God and being able to communicate with him and really receive that calling. And um, I, I mean, I can remember when it first started, I was it was way before the Philippines and I was uh, in school and I was writing a college paper one day and I was uh, writing it on uh, the topic of Christian persecution It really um, was something that weighed very heavily on my heart. And I'm learning things about, you know, all over the world, different um, religious persecutions that, that were taking place. And I was researching for the school paper I was writing. And all of a sudden, I stumbled upon an article about human trafficking. And keep in mind, this is back in the day when human trafficking, sex trafficking was not a hot topic like it is today. Nobody really knew that much about it or was, was you know, talking about it, dialoguing about it. And so I, I discovered this, this article and I just was completely blown away. I had no idea that that particular type of injustice was going on in, in our world at that time. And from there, it just kind of, I felt this heavy pull towards that particular issue. And I was, I was passionate about so many different things at that time in my life, but something in me was just zeroing in on that, just zeroing in. And I started researching just everything that I could, every book, every documentary, every article that I could get my hands on just to try and learn about the, the issue. And I remember the day that I got my call very, very clearly. I was uh, with some friends and we were just in a time of prayer and meditation and worship. And I was sitting, you know, kind of in the middle of the room in a chair and just, I was, had had a wonderful day. It was nothing, nothing on my mind. I was just sitting there and just soaking in the presence of God, just completely at peace. And all of a sudden I started bawling, just crying my eyeballs right out. And all of my friends started coming around me and, you know, putting their hands on me. Are, are you okay? And they were, you know, praying. And I was so upset because I had no idea what was going on. I had nothing on my mind, nothing I was upset about. I could not figure out where this outburst was coming from. And so I was starting to get annoyed because I was thinking, well, all of my friends are going to think that something is terribly wrong with my life and there, there's nothing. And I, so I was asking God, why, why am I crying? What's going on? And all of a sudden, all of these images, uh, mostly images of, of girls and women, started flashing in front of my eyes. And I just heard the voice of God say, I just want you to cry with me for them for just a little bit. And that was when my heart just completely changed. And I just felt that it was my calling for the rest of my life to um, work towards creating a world where uh, there's justice for the oppressed. And uh, it's been a crazy ride ever since. <laughs> that's, my, that's my big crazy story about how all of that started. But it would never have, have been that way if I hadn't been encouraged to seek out that relationship and to really become comfortable with hearing the voice of God at an early age. Because I was, gosh, I was still in high school when that happened. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a journey. Well, absolutely, because, I mean, how often are we told? I, and it's true, oftentimes, that we're told, and, and bless your parents for raising you the way they did. Um, but a lot of us were told, you know, you hear God talking to you, you're crazy. <laughs> um, you know, if, if, yeah. if, you're not a, if you're not a priest, if you're not a minister, if you're not a sister of the cloth, 
uh, God doesn't talk to you. You're just mm-hmm. a common man. But that's a lie, and we know that. Well, and that's, um, and that's not even that's that's just religion. <laughs> that's just what what religion would say, and not not that uh, you know not the relationship, not the the personal no, that's, side of things. That's sure. what I mean. It's mm-hmm. it's so nice now to be able because because Rich and I talk to people from around the world every week. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to be able to talk to them about this very personal, he's my buddy relationship with God. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's really cool. And this is coming from Christian understandings, from indigenous tribal understandings. Uh, we've had shaman on the show, same thing, you know, well, he's my buddy. I talk to God. And it's it's nice because there's no separation there's i talk to god god talks to me i listen it's it's a we have a relationship i don't have to go ask somebody's permission to have a conversation with god it just i just have a conversation and i think or pay somebody to say prayers in my name right (laughs) but it's just it's so nice to see that coming out to the forefront and being openly spoken about not just within the Christian community, but just right across the board where people are just saying, yeah, I talk to God. What, you don't? <laughs> you know, where it used to be, it used to be the opposite of, of of people thinking you were nuts if you were talking to God, but now it's kind of like you're kind of looking at them going, oh, you don't talk to God? Really? That's weird because he's probably talking to you. <laughs> Just, you know, it's it's You're saying you know it's, probably the case. It's such an interesting shift in acceptance and understanding that we're that we're Definitely. living through right now. Well, I think and I think just, it's very cool. Even just talking about spirituality, you know, now is is a little bit easier. I, I think with my generation, it's a lot easier to say, well, hey, here's what I'm searching for. Here's what I'm struggling with, or you know, here's what I feel my calling is, and and talk about those those deeper spiritual things together and really have candid and, and respectful conversations too. Even when we de- disagree on, on different points, just having that respectful common ground, being able to discuss, I, I think that that's really unique um, to this generation. You know, it's, it's really starting to come out more and more. And that's such an encouraging thing because I think that we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of issues that have been kind of taboo in years past, you know, oh, hush, hush, you just don't talk about that. And I think that it's just so important to be able to be open and honest and and really share those important dialogues with people. Absolutely. I, because I, without the dialogue, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Richard. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, without the dialogue, there is there's there's nothing. And 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 with it, you can at least find not only that respect for somebody else's belief and their right to believe it, but so many common points like i'm not aware of very many religions i'm sure there's some kooky one off in the corner with a dunce cap on but that would support human trafficking and abuse and things like that and mm-hmm. um, um i see the way forward with you know <clears throat> i love that cartoon that they uh, it, you see the planet earth and there's a flying saucer out there and it's like one of them's going, there's two aliens in there. One of them says, what are they doing? And the other one says, best as I can tell, they're arguing over which religion is the most peaceful. 
<clears throat> and you know the earth is there's guns and things blowing up and and I find that that can really only happen in isolation when you don't know the other people when there is no dialogue yeah yeah I think when there isn't that that open honest discussion that's when you know hate and violence kind of get their foot in the door and but I I mean I think it is true too though that. Uh, you know, talking about like the issue of human trafficking, things like that, sometimes, you know, not necessarily like a relationship with God, but religion kind of gets in the way and can cause that, that hate and that, like I was um, just learning this morning, I don't know if you guys have heard the uh, the news that's coming out of uh, Nigeria with all of the, there were over 200 schoolgirls that were abducted um, and basically taken out of a school compound and um, sold to um, uh, some some militant groups uh, in Nigeria, and the the perpetrator of that crime was a extremist group, and so I I, I do think that there's Haram. something to be said for for that. Um, oh yeah, that escalated it, you know that that hate and and misunderstanding that kind of gets pushed with this propaganda of violence. I mean, so many of the social injustices in our world today, the root of them all is really, really violent. Uh, there's a great um, uh, book out. There's a, there's a group called the International Justice Mission, and what they do is they go into countries all over the, the world, and they set up field offices where they work with the, the local law enforcement uh, and and legal folks in that specific area to cut down on human trafficking in those areas. And the, the founder of that um, organization just wrote a book called The Locust Effect, and it's all about how violence ties into social injustices like human trafficking, like poverty, uh, like uh, unequal rights for women. And it's just staggering to see, you know, once you start to dig in deeper to some of these issues, they all root back uh, to to that violence. So. It's uh, definitely one one step to getting to uh, a place where it's a safer world, <laughs> a safer world for for women specifically with you know some of the issues like sex trafficking and um, a safer world for us all is is just working towards being able to create more uh, peaceful and respectful dialogues even when there are disagreements for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's that's. It's kind of the key component, really. Mm. Um, and, and extremism, it you know, it can be found right across the board in, in every belief system. And unfortunately, that's how people get this really twisted perspective on different beliefs and different understandings of who and what God is. Is is they're looking at the the extremist representation of that particular religion or belief structure. But the, the common common fellow human being, if you sit down and have a conversation with them, they're not gonna they're not gonna for the most part stand in a space of judgment with regards to how you hold your relationship with God. And I think that that is what we need to focus on. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's we've focused on the divisions for so long that it's time to, to focus on, on the aspects of, of getting along, <laughs> which is happening yeah. right well, now. 
And I mean, that, that even ties into on a, a, a smaller level, just activism in general. I was joking with a friend the other day that I wanted to write a book called Anger and the Activist, How to Champion Your Cause Without Alienating People. And we both had a little bit of a laugh about it, but it's really true when people are, are very, very passionate about something. Oftentimes when they feel frustrated or like they're not getting anywhere, the, the place that they turn is to just anger and aggression. And, you know, having been in kind of the nonprofit world and the, the modern day abolitionist movement for a long time, I've, I've seen a lot of that, just kind of a lot of antagonism within um, from, from folks who, you know, had a, maybe just a little bit of a difference of opinion on, on a certain issue here or there. And instead of devoting time to, you know, making a difference in a positive way within the cause, it just then becomes a little finger pointing back and forth game of, ooh, well, this organization says this and we don't think that. And I think that what's really important for the social justice movement is for everyone to be able to work together and just come around those common values that they do all hold true and uh, be able to work together from a, a place of a little bit less judgment and a little bit more understanding. Yeah, it's definitely but, a big issue and we can't just tackle it on our own for sure. Yeah, find those common points and, and start there. It's um, as a, as, as an outside observer watching this mess in the Ukraine and not paying too much attention to what any news article says, but every mm -hmm. time they have a video from a reporter on the street, so to speak, talking to individuals, those I listen to. And it has been my, by looking at it that way and not looking at anybody else's analysis, I've, I've got a pretty good brain. I can, you know, look at things and make choices and decisions. Well, it doesn't matter whether you're talking to the pro-Russian people or the pro-Kiev people or the, when they're talking to the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian people are like, we need a government that's strong enough to protect us and we need, we need peace and security and order on the streets. That's all they want on both mm -hmm. sides. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing that I've seen in the modern world, this adversarial thing that governments, the first thing they do when they have a major disagreement with somebody is quit talking to them. Well, <laughs> what did, how did we, why? You know, I mean, it just boggles my mind. It, well, but I mean, you know. it's, it's probably a little bit human nature, too, because, I mean, how many times, you know, do, do people do that just in relationships hey, with other I'm gonna, people? <laughs> I'm going to take my ball and go home <laughs> and uh, yeah. type uh, reaction. And but, you know, I look at some of the great statesmen, uh, even if they were involved in ugly times, you know, Churchill was very clear on you don't have to talk to your friends. You agree with them. <laughs> you need to talk to these other people. And um, uh, because really without that dialogue and then bringing to that dialogue that mm -hmm. guidance that you have from spirit in your heart, bring that with you. Don't just go in there with, you know, these are the points we must get, you know, but go in there with a genuine, let's see if we can find somewhere to start talking. Yeah. Even you know. if it takes a little bit of a little bit of argumentation, I mean, some of the some of the greatest uh, movements for equality and justice in history have kind of been spearheaded by a bunch of wonderful leaders, men and women sitting around in you know chairs, maybe smoking a pipe or two, and just hashing it out, hashing it out. Uh, yeah, and uh, because you you know you can 
and 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 there have, there are great places for uh, civil disobedience and protest and this and that. Uh, uh, but to me, none of it ever comes to anything if there isn't somewhere. Uh, I don't care if it takes two days. You know, they talk about this sometimes. It took two days to decide what kind of bottled water to have in the meeting room. Well, I, I don't care. We've agreed on something. We can now at least start there and talk about something next. You know, and and it may be a long and rocky road to sit and hash it out. But what what you just going to drop bombs on people? You know, I mean, we've, we've at least we've cleaned that up in the modern world. You can do it by remote control from little you know air conditioned van in the Nevada desert. You can blow people up all over the globe like a video game. Well, but it what it, does, it still doesn't solve anything. And sometimes it's kind of more of the the easy way out. So definitely. Now, I'm interested because you and I had a really interesting chat the other day. Um, yes. <laughs> and I'm hoping that you can um, go there again tonight. Because I was asking you about the work that you were doing. And you let me know that you had you recently uh, left the organization that you were with and kind of branched out on your own. Mm-hmm. And your reasons for doing that kind of blew my mind because we hadn't talked, like really talked in so long. And mm-hmm. it was just so exciting to hear you explain the whys and the hows of of all of that because you're dealing with human trafficking. This is not bunnies and rainbows kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is some heartbreaking stuff that you're dealing with. But we we always make the argument here at Everyday Connection that there has to be a way to focus on the positive so that you're not dwelling on on the darkness, but you're focused on, on walking towards the light, so to speak. You know, not pointing mm-hmm. the finger and going, you over there, stop it, but rather finding ways to just stop it from happening to make it an undesirable thing to have happen i think basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well i mean one thing that i started to notice i mean i've been in the, the nonprofit world for quite a while and um when you're dealing with a really really heavy issue like the issue of trafficking there, there does have to be that element of being able to um have certain portions of your life where you carve out time for um, rest and for peace. And if you think about um, all of the the truly horrific parts of the the issue of sex trafficking, human trafficking, it becomes consuming. I remember when I was first learning about it, that was probably the most difficult time for me of just feeling so heavy and weighed down with all of you know, all of the statistics and the things that I was learning, that was, that was necessary for a time. But uh, the, the more deeply I kind of got into that world, the more that I saw that there was just a kind of a lot of what I was talking about earlier, different organizations disagreeing on different points. And, uh, you know, it, it just was always a kind of crisis situation, always, um, always something going on and not a whole lot of positive and a whole lot of negative. 
And I started to feel just very, very burnt out and, and disillusioned, um, you know, thinking oh, it shouldn't feel this um, life draining to pursue, you know, my passion. And so I started looking at what could be a more sustainable way. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I still will, you know, write letters to the editor and go to the protests and all of that good stuff. But I'm learning to balance out um, kind of balance it out in moderation with kind of what I call everyday justice. And for me, that's looking at my everyday life, the way that I live, and analyzing it and coming up with ways to promote justice within my everyday lifestyle. And so for me, that's uh, when I buy clothing, maybe I buy it from a group that works with women who were trafficked in India and now are given a sustainable uh, form of livelihood and education for themselves and their children and housing. And by choosing to buy, you know, a blouse from this that organization rather than going and, you know, getting something off the rack that was made in a, a sweatshop in, in China, I'm contributing towards justice in the world just by making a few small changes to my normal everyday life. And I've just found so much joy in that. And I've started to really discover this community of so many other people who are really starting to talk about um, this, this lifestyle of justice, being justice-minded in, in whatever you do. And uh, with that, it's very closely coupled with um, what I like to call conscientious consumerism and using uh, basically voting with our dollars, if you Amen. will, for, for what we want to see in the world. Um, Amen on that term. I, I I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry, or at least I'm sorry to interrupt. But <laughs> that that voting with your dollars thing is something people miss often. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to do. Uh, Absolutely. Really. I mean, we're we're a culture of convenience, definitely. And you know, a lot of times, if you choose to buy something consciously, it's probably going to be you know a little bit more expensive than you would find the the cheaper counterparts, um, or it might be more inconvenient. You can't just walk to the store and pick it up. You have to order it online and wait for it. So we, we definitely have uh, a couple roadblocks in our culture to, to living that way. It's not um, conducive to the, the way that we're accustomed to buying, consuming things. And I mean, if we can do good with the way that we spend our money, just imagine if the, the whole world started buying and, and selling that way. I mean, there is so much money that changes hands just within uh, the, the clothing industry, the textile industry, the food mm-hmm. industry. And all of that money would be redirected towards uh, things that are good for the planet and good for people. And I think it would just be a beautiful thing. So, and And I'm just so encouraged by the way that – um, things like fair trade are becoming more mainstream now and are really gaining a lot of a lot of ground and a lot of attention. So it's a very exciting time to be an activist because I'm watching all of these, you know, there's a new little startup every day that's working with an artisan group somewhere or you know, another documentary coming out about injustice within um, our food supply chain here in the U.S. And 
it's it's so exciting for me to watch all of that happen. I just I geek out about it all the time. <laughs> oh, we do too. We do too. We do too. Oh, <laughs> oh look what they're doing! Oh look what they're doing! Oh my god! Almost every day on the on yeah. our morning show that has <laughs> gone by the wayside uh, because it was just too ambitious. Frankly, uh, there's only two of us. Um, <clears throat> was always, every time I came across a story about consumers, uh, in fact, I just posted one today, Coca-Cola announced they were going to remove a certain ingredient from all of their products, period. Mm. And really? they fiercely stand behind... That it, by chance? No, no, not yet. <clears throat> but um, uh, this one's even harder to pronounce and understand. But um, uh, I'll tell you what it is here in just a minute. But... Uh, it got started with a 17-year-old girl that started a petition and said, listen, you athletes, you know, like me, she was an athlete. She said, we're trying to take the best care of our body possible, but would you look at this stuff that they're putting in Gatorade and Powerade? And what is that all about? I don't know what that is. And, um, and so they still stand behind that it's absolutely safe. We never did anything wrong, but they're taking it out of all of their products because of the consumer response. The quote is um, uh, from them, uh, brominated vegetable oil, BBO, whatever. Brominated. Mm. Well, that just sounds delicious. Doesn't that sound yummy? (laughs) Um, And to know that it's in your Gatorade and your Fanta orange drink. Um, And um, uh, Coca-Cola said in in a statement that all our drinks are safe and comply with all the regulations in the countries where they're sold. However, consumers have expressed their desire that BVO be gone, so we're taking it out. Well, and that's such a good example of the fact that consumers really do have power. I think it's difficult to feel like you have power just as one person. Oh, is it really going to make that much of a difference if I buy a toothbrush that's made from recycled yogurt containers rather than a toothbrush that is, you know, just, your generic regular old toothbrush. And the thing is, it really does make a difference because it's all of those small choices from so many people adding up into something big. There's a a campaign um, in Australia a while back where school children effectively um, campaigned until their local um, chocolate company, I think it was Cadbury that they were campaigning and started carrying a fair trade chocolate bar. And I mean, the chocolate industry is one of the most uh, horrific areas when it comes to unethical labor practices. And so that's super encouraging to think that even though, you know, there's basically just a few large corporations that run the world's cocoa industry, they're, I mean, enormous corporations, but a group of school children in Australia had the power to make a change. And I, I think that it's I, – when I was talking to Nikki, we were talking about um, sometimes when you see something that's a big injustice, you just want to go at it with a sledgehammer and just start, you know, smashing away at it. And you're using up all of oh. your energy. And eventually you're going to, you know, become wounded and tired out and disillusioned because you're going to be, you know, picking away with that sledgehammer all day, but you're not going to get very far by yourself. And I think that that's oftentimes what happens with, with people who are really passionate about their causes. They fight really hard for a while, and then they feel disillusioned, and they feel frustrated. But when it's all of us together, chipping away just a little bit every day, 
in all of our own ways, through all of those small choices, we're going to get a lot further with a lot less frustration and anger. And I think that that's, that's an important, important truth to realize. Absolutely. And one of the things, one of the, the key elements to that is that when you are, you're in the full throes of your passion fighting against this grave injustice that's being done and you're pointing the finger and you're essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to wrestle the power away from the person who has it at the moment. So the power that this person has to hurt others, you're trying to wrestle that away from them, right? So you're, you're really, you're, you're having a, a power struggle. But if you are making conscious consumer choices and choices in your day-to-day living, you're not having a power struggle. You mm. are simply standing in the fullness of your own personal power and using that personal power to initiate changes within the way the world works. And so that's that's kind of the key thing. I think any time you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling like you have to struggle with somebody to try and wrestle with them for their power, it's not going to work. That is not a healing method. It's not going to make things better. Yeah. Take a step sure. back and 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 be aware that you don't need to take power away from anybody in order to have the power to make the changes in our world that we want to see. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, that's what everyday justice is all about is just a gentle, conscious pushback against all the yucky stuff. Yeah. It's just a, a simple, just a few moments, particularly in today's internet and Google world, of I need a pair of shoes. I wonder, you know, I like these whatever boat shoes, and then well, they're made in Bangladesh or somewhere, and mm-hmm. oh, that could be a real problem. But here's some boat shoes that are made in a they're labeled fair trade. There, uh, there's an option, mm-hmm. and, and and then take it because that was uh, we're big fans of Buckminster Fuller, who said that you don't change things by fixing or fighting the existing structure. You just make a new structure that makes the old one obsolete. And I think that most people are willing, and, and it's becoming much easier. So it's, that's, I think, why it's getting more mainstream. It, it, it is, but I think people would be willing to put up with just a tiny bit more waiting time or this or that uh, to make mm-hmm. that difference in their choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes it's literally just a few cents different. I mean, the difference between a fair trade chocolate bar and a not fair trade chocolate bar is just a couple of cents oftentimes. And, and so it's, it's, it's so easy to make that transition over when you really start making those conscious choices. It becomes, you know, second nature in a literally just of time. a few cents. Yeah. Just having done the groceries last weekend and we were, we were comparing prices on coffee and it was mm-hmm. like five cents, five cent difference between the, the fair trade mm-hmm. coffee and the regular coffee. Five cents. That's mm-hmm. nothing. 
when you're already spending nine bucks for a big bag of coffee beans, what what's five more cents? Seriously. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it makes such a difference in the lives of the producers. Yeah. Mine's um, Marley coffee. And, and at my store, it is, it's a dollar for a big, big box of it. Uh, difference. Mm-hmm. But, but again, a dollar out of nine dollars, what, what, what? It's not that yeah, big exactly. a deal. It doesn't, it's just not and a big deal. don't need to be drinking 50 cups of coffee a day anyway. I keep trying to <laughs> tell myself. And, 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 but I know from watching their corporate information and the videos where Rohan, Rohan Marley, the, the, uh, one of Bob Marley's kids, says, this is what we do. And here's some of the people that work for us. Talk to them. Mm-hmm. And that works for me. I, it's not the only choice, but it's convenient. They, they have it on the shelf at my store right next to the rest of the coffee. So I don't even have to go to a special aisle. I just grab it. And it it, it makes a difference. Even a 10% bump in the sales of fair trade stuff, the big guys start going, hey, wait a minute. We're missing out. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and they will follow. They will always follow. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the the founding fathers of the United States more than anything else wanted people to know you you have the power you decide not the government not anybody else, the king anybody else you we the people and uh, these are these campaigns we used to we used to actually say that on the morning show was uh oh we the people showed up again <laughs> look what happened they changed their minds because as long as it's the that's why I was kind of happy to see the Occupy movement break up. I don't think those people just gave up, but I think they recognized that that wasn't going to, while it was a good attention call and wake-up call, it wasn't going to accomplish anything. Yeah, well, definitely. And I think that, that applies to any movement. A lot of times movements start out with a lot of awareness and a lot of you know people wanting to get involved and lend their voice. And I think that the anti-trafficking movement has kind of um, kind of happened in the same way. I mean, even you know a decade ago, there wasn't a whole lot of talk surrounding it. And then all of a sudden, even just over the last couple of years, it's become such a you know hot topic and you've got celebrity advocates and and new little startups popping up all over the place every day and you know a new awareness group every every five minutes you know and and people are getting to the point now where they're frustrated with that part of the movement because it's it's all you know well we've we've talked about it i've told all my friends i've shared you know all of the articles on facebook i've showed up at all the rallies well, I get it. I There's a problem. Do what? something. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, it, and you have to see the problem before you know that you want to do something. But but to me, that's that missing step. Is then okay? There's a problem. I I got it. I went to the rally. I heard the speeches. I. But now I'm going to throw in with the group that's doing this, or I'm going to make these small changes. I love the way that you have it framed in just needle small changes because that's. You know, that's one of my faves. How to eat elephants. It's really all it takes. Well, definitely. And I think that once people get to that point where they're like, well, I'm tired of, I'm tired of just talking. I'm tired of the awareness. I'm tired of, you know, buying, buying the jewelry that's made by survivors at every event. I kind of have too much jewelry already, you know, but where they start to get tired of that, then they want to do something big. And that's where it gets frustrating because not everybody can, you know, move overseas nor would that be the most helpful sometimes. 
you know, even though we kind of all want to be the one to go and kick down doors, sometimes it's not the most helpful thing. And not everybody to go save to... the world. Wouldn't know anything <laughs> yep. about that. Right. Yes, yes, you know, the savior complex, all that good stuff. But, you know, neither can everyone start a fair trade company or even volunteer with a nonprofit here in the U.S. They, sometimes there's just not that option. So I feel that people get so, so frustrated by that. And really, there's so many ways that we can fight that same type of injustice. And honestly, even get more effective in the way we're fighting it because we can target the roots even without, you know, going and volunteering overseas or, or whatever else because it all roots back into um, that issue of, of violence and specifically violence towards women. And, you know, you can go at it from a um, media standpoint. Okay, what is the media telling us about the value of women and what can we do to change that? You know, there's there's so many advertisements and, you know, music and all sorts of things that have just these ideas that are being fed into our minds about this, you know, very violent and exploitative uh, culture. There's a very good documentary called With Impunity that basically talks about just the normalization of violence against women. And it was filmed here by a wonderful um member of our local government here who decided he was going to do something about it. He funded this, this documentary and it opens with two guys at the Minnesota state fair. And you have to understand the Minnesota state fair is like the epitome of like Minnesotan culture, Minnesota nice. We call it, it's a big, we call it the great Minnesota get together. And you know, everybody shows up with their family and uh, there's, Fried food galore and the rodeo, and it's just the big, you know, feel-good Minnesota thing to do. Well, the, the beginning of this documentary opens up with two of the radio hosts ch chatting back and forth about when it would be okay to shoot one's wife. And, like, just this playful banter back and forth talking about shooting their wife. This was broadcasted at the Minnesota State Fair with all of these families around, and people were laughing about it. Because, oh, it's all in good fun. It's just jokes. But that just goes to show this normalization that happens. And, I mean, the same thing happens um, with things like pornography or strip clubs. I mean, that's the same sexual exploitation starts there. In fact, many of the girls that I've come to know and love through my work um, in the, the anti-sex trafficking movement that that's where it all started for them, oftentimes with, with childhood abuse or different things like that. And so fighting any number of those things effectively works in ending that big issue of sex trafficking, all of these little roots leading into all of these places. And I just think about um, William Wilberforce, one of the, the greatest abolitionists of all time and his work with in, ending the transatlantic slave trade. And I've read a lot of his, his earlier writings and letters that he wrote to different people within the movement and so forth. And basically, his view on ending slavery wasn't, okay, well, we just have to go and, you know, go up to the government and make them change the laws, and then we'll be good. We'll have effectively ended slavery. He, his view was that in order to um, fight against uh, slavery, there had to be a movement with many branches. He wanted to reform um the, the Church of England, 
He wanted to reform the educational system. He wanted to um, reform uh, the, the, the commerce, you know, talking about where sugar came from and things like that. And it wasn't until he had a movement going in all of those areas that he started to make any change in the, the political front. So, again, it's just, uh, you know, many, many people working in many, many different areas. You don't necessarily have to work in a well, nonprofit that specifically fights trafficking in order to make a huge difference within, within the movement. And I think that that doesn't get realized oftentimes. If you've got a big pile of gravel or, or garbage or whatever, but let's just say a big pile of gravel, and the three of us are out there with shovels, and so here we go, and we're going to be a week moving this pile of gravel. But if 100,000 people pass by and every one of them just puts, just puts a handful in their pocket, the thing will be gone in a, in a day or two. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is sort of the way of it in the, in the physical bit. It's that, it's that multiplicity of little acts that, you know, uh, was it Mother Teresa that said, you know, you don't try to do great mm-hmm. things, just do little things with great love? Great love, yeah. Mm. And, um, you know, you think of what, what did she really do? You know, she t- did some talks, she wrote a couple of things, but mostly what she did was just go out on the streets and minister to people and she got noticed and all of a sudden it was this global thing mother Teresa, you know mm-hmm. when when she really was not doing anything big personally mm-hmm. you know and and that's the illusion too that you can get from media is that you know well yeah if i was princess diana i'd do something about it but who am i and what you know rah. definitely definitely I think I think that this this you know my generation is starting to to value that more and more though that um, I mean a lot of these new companies that are popping up offering fair trade options and things like that are becoming huge overnight sensations with you know the college kids and I think that there really is I don't know there's a lot of truth to the the fact that every few generations there comes a generation that is all about revolution and change. And it's been proven throughout mm-hmm. history. There's always this cycle, this cycle. Like I think it's every three generations, one generation comes along that's just absorbed with the idea of, of justice. And I really think that is this generation. I think that we need to just um, stop, stop being distracted <laughs> by all of the things within our culture that so easily distract us in order to, you know, look up and realize what's going along and join in and actually make that change. Easy to be distracted. Bright lights, big city, mm-hmm. very noisy, <laughs> you know, and, and it will. It'll jump right in your face if you let it, mm-hmm. particularly the box with all the flashy lights. And it looks like a picture, a TV picture, but it's really just blinky lights and sound. And <laughs> wow. Hypnosis. Anyway, it, it's uh, we've reached and, and uh, surpassed just a tad our midpoint. We love that because that means the conversation is being awesome. And it <laughs> is. Uh, so we'll, we'll take a break here. And uh, when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about Lifestyle Justice and Facebook page and an and experiment. I like experiments. <laughs> I'm a geek from way back. Experiments are cool. So, I agree. <laughs> uh, we want to we hear about that. So Sounds good. Uh, well, Nikki, what? Uh, what do we give them? Miracle, miracle walking. She's a miracle walking. Sure. Yes. Or absolutely. What do you think? 
Okay. Um, she's a miracle walking from our dear friend Ina V. And we'll be right back, so stick with us, folks. Welcome back, everybody. 
Again, that was our dear friend, Ina V. You can find her at www.enavie.com. That's enav.com. And uh, she's doing some awesome philanthropic stuff uh, with uh, her song, Earth Prayer, that we play often as well. So it's from the same album. So drop by, pick up, pick up some cool tunes, and uh, help support some awesome stuffs. Speaking of awesome stuffs, we have with us all-around awesome person, all-around awesome human, Hannah Tyson, and uh, having an awesome conversation. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I didn't even like, realize that we had gotten past the halfway point because I was having so much fun talking. All of a sudden, I looked up the clock. Oh, we've been talking for See? a fair chunk of time here. <sighs> Yeah, time happens. time flies when you're having fun. It does. People come on the show and they're like, "How can you have what ninety minutes? How am I possibly going to fill nine fill ninety minutes?" And then we get to the end and they're like, "What? It's over?" I didn't even get to talk about so and so. So well, we'll yeah. have you back. Yep, I was not worried about having that problem at all. Though I am such a such a talker. I mean, some I have to. I just have to be careful that I don't start monologuing too much, so I have to be conscious of that. <laughs> yeah, I've been told to work on my conscious listening, so I'm, you know, I'm trying. I do better on the show actually than I do in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki will tell you sometimes you get me on Skype, I just don't shut up, and, and you can't even find the connection between the things I'm talking about. You're like, how did we get to talking about this? Didn't we start with a what? <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> so how did you get on to this, sweetness? Because you this is a big turnaround from what you were doing before, you know? Well, I mean with with actually with lifestyle justice it was kind of a it, it very naturally flowed into um kind of a different way of, of sharing and doing life. Um, I'm finding that um, what I do with lifestyle justice is very, very much still plugged into the anti-human uh, trafficking world. And it simply came about because, you know, as I started to become more involved in the work, um, working towards uh, cutting down on sex trafficking, I started to realize, you know, if I'm really going to say that I'm a modern day abolitionist and that I'm, you know, all about promoting justice and how can I purchase clothing that, you know, I read the label and I know that it most likely comes from a factory where the workers were mistreated or um, even uh, held against their will. There have been some recent news stories about, um, labor trafficking victims uh, who within um, prison systems. Uh, there was a lady who was shopping at a big um, uh, store in New York, and she found a note in the bottom of her shopping bag from a man who had been wrongfully incarcerated and be- had been forced to work in um, a government factory in China. And, uh, you know, People were able to step in and get him out of the situation. But I just started becoming more and more conscious of the fact that, you know, I I can't really say that I'm against slavery and still be living in this way that kind of can facilitate it sometimes. And that was just kind of my my personal conviction. And so this all started um, Lifestyle Justice back um, 
when I really wasn't that much into the world of, of labor trafficking, fair trade, all of that, I was really still focusing mostly on sex trafficking. But then, you know, I started to realize, well, labor trafficking and sex trafficking are so intertwined um, because oftentimes victims of one will be victims of the other. And so I started learning more about it. And back in, gosh, I guess it must have been 2012, I decided to challenge myself to go for an entire year without purchasing anything that I could not prove was ethically made. And so I started in January and I made it a whole year. And, you know, my first choice would be, you know, when I was thinking about buying something, I would first say, well, is this something that I really need? And if I didn't need it, I wouldn't buy it. And then the next step would be, all right, well, can I find it ethically made? And nine times out of ten, I could find it ethically made. You know, I found, I've found um, ethically made clothing, every, every type that I could possibly need, and um, ethically made food and coffee and chocolate and all of these things. And, you know, then, of course, going to my local farmer's market for the rest. And that was a pretty easy progression. But then it started to get down to stuff that was a little harder, like, you know, my microwave conked out. Well, hmm, I know that electronics aren't really produced very ethically in many situations. So then I would hit the thrift stores and, you know, search until I found something that would work. And so that that was kind of my first uh, experiment in in trying to live a, a sustainable and ethical lifestyle. And after that year was up, I liked it so much that I just kept going. <laughs> so uh, here I am a couple, a couple of years later, and um, I uh, have, have been blogging about my experiences in the ethical lifestyle world for a while now. But I, I kind of looked at the, I don't know, looked at the blogging world, and something that's so popular is, is lifestyle blogging. You know, people blogging about, you know, recipes and outfits and DIY projects. And it's so easy to look at sites like that and feel kind of envious. And um, it, it very much kind of promotes a consumeristic lifestyle because, you know, it's, oh, I redid my living room and here's where I got all of my furniture and here's my outfits and all the clothes are from, you know, H&M and Forever 21. And, um that's right. I just called out a couple of brand names. So if there, that's if, right. If anybody, if anyone from either of those companies is listening to this radio show, I'm coming for you. Sue um, me, baby. Sue me. <laughs> um, sue me, baby. Sue me. That's but, all I can um, say. But no, and, and so I said, you know, what if there was a lifestyle blog that had all of that fun stuff about, you know, sharing life together and, and talking about all that fun stuff, recipes and whatever else, but from a standpoint of, okay, Let's see if we can do this in an ethical way. So, you know, if you're posting a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, make sure that those chocolate chips are fair trade or, or talk about the wonderful clothing companies that sell fairly traded clothing and, and kind of create a countercultural lifestyle movement within the lifestyle movement that's so popular now. So it's all about just kind of, you know, swimming upstream and saying, hey, you can still love you know, decorating your house or wearing cool clothes without falling victim to this uber consumeristic mindset um, and really, you know, do good with your choices. And so that's been a really, a really fun project. I've connected with so many amazing um, folks out there who have similar views. And that's been really encouraging because, you know, in just day-to-day life, I, I don't, 
run into folks that kind of have that same uh, passion about, you know, fair trade as, as I do. And kind of creating this online community has helped me to do that and just, you know, stay encouraged when, you know, maybe it's getting a little inconvenient and I'm kind of weakening my resolve and, you know, I can say, hey, you know, what do you guys do when you walk into Target and wish you could buy everything? And, you know, how do you keep that conviction strong for living an ethical lifestyle? And just having that support and that encouragement from others in the in the community has just been so wonderful. So I really am trying to create ways for that community to come together. And I'm actually this next month, every week, going to be talking to a different um, uh, blogger who uh, promotes fair trade and ethical lifestyle stuff on their blog and just get to meet some of the awesome folks from around the uh, internet who are doing similar stuff. So it's really just all about coming together, encouraging each other to live in this way. It's, it's not about saying, ooh, look at me, I'm, I'm an awesome person because I you know, buy fair trade clothes. It's about encouraging and inspiring each other and kind of coming away from this whole envy-based idea of consumerism and just supporting each other and rallying around each other and kind of egging each other on to live in a conscious way. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and I can't see how it, how it couldn't drift into the other areas of your life oh, uh, when it becomes such a, you know, of, of, well, what are they paying these people that are doing this? Or what are they doing to these people that are doing this? And where does this come from? And, uh, you know, that's the big buzzword around corporations is, you know, do you have a sustainable supply chain? Well, good. That's, I'm glad they're at least talking about it. And, um, but it reminds me, uh, it's funny you mentioned you were going to be talking to bloggers. It reminds me of a guest we had, uh, particularly your story about going a year without uh, buying anything except stuff that was ethically produced. Uh, it was Beth Terry with uh, My Plastic Free Life. Mm. Remember Beth? Nikki? Yeah. She she yeah. decided to see if she could go a year without Crazy. buying any plastic, without consuming oh, that any plastic. Is an admirable mission. And uh, she didn't quite make it, but she had her whole year's worth of plastic in in the picture, and it was very small. Um, and, uh, you know, it started with she, did, she wanted to see if she could do something about plastic bags. Mm-hmm. But she started looking at why would you do something about plastic bags and how can I get my friends involved in doing something about plastic bags? And she found out what a problem plastic really was. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like the time I showed Nikki the video about the Pacific plastic patch. Um, I thought we were all going to die. She was so mm-hmm. deflated. Uh, and uh, But that's that awareness stage, you know. And uh, uh, But a very similar, a very similar challenge and some interesting difficulties of and it but much the same answers of you know okay well i I can't really buy they all of these things have plastic in them so she'd go to thrift shops and secondhand stores find one that was used um so and and she did not call that consuming plastic because she didn't do it first she called it a half yep yep and um because you know when i was a kid and i'm not that old i'm 51 but when I was a kid and people mm-hmm. had stuff and it broke, you took it somewhere and somebody fixed it. Yep. And now something breaks and you put it in the trash and go to Target and get another one. Exactly. Well, I always joke that I, I would have been better off born in a different era because, you know, growing up as a kid, I loved 
the the Little House on the Prairie series, Laura Ingalls. And I I remember reading those books. I remember reading those books and, you know, they would talk about how they had, you know, maybe three dresses. They had two work dresses and then they had their Sunday go to meeting dress. And they were so excited when they, you know, got hair ribbons at at the general store. And that was a huge treat. And and they they sold their clothes. Exactly. And so I think, gosh, why why do we need so many clothes and such disposable clothes too? I mean, the way that the fabric is produced and just so horrible for the environment and for people because then there you know the fabric is made and there's dyes and chemicals and all sorts of stuff getting into the water supply and then you know it goes to the factory and it gets sewn maybe by child laborers in a sweatshop and then it comes to you and it's it's such you know flimsy poor quality stuff that you do it's it's disposable clothing you know you can pick a a t-shirt up for three dollars at your local store and you know it's it's worn out in a matter of a couple months you throw it out and you get the new one so you know I, I think there's something to be said for it you know if you can't find a specific item that is ethically produced then you go to the thrift shop and you look for a used one that's and a lot of the things that I have in my home are are old things that I've found in different you know thrift stores and things like that like you know, my, my couch is a ancient old antique monstrosity because it's built well. You know, I didn't want to go to Ikea and get something that would be kind of disposable, you know, furniture and break down, wear down after a while. You know, I got a good solid piece of, of furniture from way back in the day. And so often I'll find myself doing that because if I can't buy it, you know, ethically produced in, in a way that I know exactly what's happened along the supply chain, then I want to buy something that will last. Um, and and it's, uh, it's so different now than it was even, you know, just a couple of hundred years ago with the way that things are produced and what people place value on. And I, I want to get to that point where I'm completely happy with just a few sets of clothing. And, you know, if I do get a new item of clothing, it feels like Christmas. You know, it doesn't feel like something I'm entitled to. It's something that's really exciting. And so I find myself more and more just not purchasing as much. And when I do need something, just saving up and buying something that's ethically produced and and high quality, that's going to last me a long time. And that's all part of breaking that cycle of throwaway fashion and and consumerism. It's it's a movement that uh, they call slow fashion. And I love that concept of you know, the fabric, the, the cotton for the fabric is grown ethically and without the use of chemicals. Mm-hmm. And then it's thoughtfully, you know, woven by a factory that, you know, uses ethical labor uh, laws. And then it gets sewn and delivered to you. And you know, all of the hands that have touched that garment and you place value in that. And I think so often we undervalue the workers who make our food or the workers who sew our clothes and I just think that there's so much dignity and respect in being able to acknowledge that, that uh, you know, so many hands have gone into creating that item for you to wear or to consume. And, like, their life is precious and valuable, too. And, I mean, oh, the other day I just I came across this company that I just absolutely love. They're called Connected in Hope, and they have a program um, in Ethiopia. And I um, have a scarf that was woven by a woman there. And when I received the package in the mail with my scarf, it came with a little blank uh, self-addressed card so that I could write a note to the woman who had woven that scarf. And oh, that's awesome. Isn't that fantastic? That's so awesome. Isn't that fantastic? And then that's it, you know, awesome. 
it gets sent back to the organization and they have someone translate it and then that woman gets to, to read it and keep it and I just thought what a beautiful beautiful connection I was getting teary-eyed writing my little notes and it's just such a simple circle of gratitude but it's so impactful and think of how much that you know that enriches my life to be able to connect with her on that level and to know that I'm you know not just throwing my dollars at some big corporation, but supporting this talented artisan. And, you know, I'm sure that it enriches her life to receive these notes from all over the world from people who enjoy her art. And I, I, yeah. I love that more companies are starting to follow that model. It's very, very, very cool. And it very certainly cool. can't take that much extra effort Um well, it was an enriching and joyful experience for you, it sounds like. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, so it was value added, you know, to mm-hmm. the whole deal. No, I mean, it, for everybody. It, can't be, it can't be extra effort on the part of the company, really. Um, certainly, it wouldn't be effort on the, on the part of the person purchasing the product because anybody who's going to purchase from a company like that is going to be very enthusiastic, I would think, about writing to this woman and saying, thank you for creating this awesome thing that I now get to wear. And and I I love that idea. I love that idea about being able to reach out and actually show somebody on the other side of the world appreciation for something that they have created. Right. That I well, now get to use. And I it's think all about, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> right. And it's all about that dignity too, rather than um, you know, I, I have a lot of having been overseas and all of that as well, I have a lot of views on, you know, what type of of aid is the most helpful in certain situations. And I think if if you can give someone a business loan or purchase a product that they're creating and help create that sustainable, you know, business livelihood for them rather than, um, and there's certainly a time for, you know, as it were, handing things out. But yes, at the same time, it's so much more valuable. And, and I really think that that kind of helps take away also some of that savior complex that can oftentimes leave a bad uh, taste in the mouth of, you know, the, the, the people who are receiving. Um, Hello? 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 Oh, hi. We lost oh, you for a moment there. We have those little bobbles <laughs> from time to time. But yeah, it reminds me of the, you know, there was this outfit that decided they were, they had made these soccer balls that kicking them around generated some electricity and you could charge a smartphone off of them. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to send 100,000 of them to, you know, the starving kids of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, they're starving, okay? Yes, they may be playing soccer, yes. Maybe there's a smartphone in the country somewhere, but the starving kids don't have it. And they're not going to talk on it very long if they don't have something to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 helping somebody have, whether it's a job or their own business, but a fair trade living wage accomplishment mm-hmm. uh, for them, it not only raises them from po- poverty, it gives their children and the next generation of that whole country the ability to hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem we have on this planet right now is hopeless people. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I don't think that people blow things up and blow themselves up and that sort of thing until they're absolutely against the wall, hopeless, no other mm-hmm. option. And um, it, it is so enriching for both sides. See, that's the thing. Is it, it's not just you can't, you can't get in this without these things like this getting us into card and, and this connection, uh, this feeling of connection. And, uh, and, and to me, that brotherhood and connection is the, that's the common point that we all have. Mm. We're here on earth. Let's go, you know? And, and so when that little connection gets made, that's, that's to me what building world peace looks like. Yeah, definitely. And it is all about that respect element too, because instead of saying, Oh, here, you know, let, let me help you. You're saying you're kind of creating this equality and respect saying, I, I, I admire your talent and your work and I'm, you know, coming to you as a, a customer. And oftentimes that's a lot more um, meaningful, creating that, that um, confidence to, to move forward with that business or, or whatever it is. Uh, I think that's really important too. It is the commerce way of saying namaste, really. <laughs> I respect the, the being that you are. The being that I am respects the being that you are. Whatever belief system anybody comes from mm-hmm. is, you know, I, because I think if people, uh, I think that's part of that puzzle people call world peace is, you know, people got to eat and they got to have a place to live. They want to go to the movies now and again. They want their kids to have an opportunity to do something. Um, and, um, and most of all, they need to respect themselves and getting respect from others is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, uh, well, it's something that, uh, Jesus was a big fan of, you know, mm. let, let ye without sin cast the first stone. Okay. She's okay. She can right? come with me. Yeah. You know. She's <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah. Well, and the entire the entire concept of everyday justice is basically what the entire book of Acts is about. Talking about the history of the early church, uh, the the church was absorbed not with um, theology or religion as much as they were, and certainly theology has its place, but they were absorbed with. Um, loving others. People were selling all of their possessions to give to the poor and they were taking care of the, the widows and the orphans and feeding the hungry. And that's what I like to call hardcore Christianity because the, the definition of the word hardcore is the purest and most basic form of something. So what's the purest and most basic form of Christianity? Well, it's, it's that that teaching of um, of justice and and love, and I, I think about the 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 scripture where it says religion that is pure and faultless, faultless is caring for those in need, caring for the, the orphans and the widows, and I just think that that's such a powerful statement of what the gospel really should be. Well, it's not. See, and this is where I get up on my soapbox. It's not bloody complicated. <laughs> it's really not. 
Mm. I don't I don't care what religion you come from. The same message is at the core of every single one of those books. And it's certainly at the core of the Bible and Jesus didn't teach anything other than love thy fellow man. It's mm. not any more complicated than that. It is the most basic simple message ever given to mankind. Love thy fellow Man, that's it, that's all, that's all you have to do. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, we make it so complex. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's just so simple. I think that I think that so much can be encompassed in, in just those few words. Love others as yourself. Uh, yes. come and the whole idea of, you know, of valuing it. them and respecting them and, and, and respecting their opinion and listening to what they really have to say and trying to understand that's all those are all things that everybody I've ever talked to wants. So love your neighbor as yourself means you do that. You respect them. You, you be curious about them. You try to get to know them. And, oh, that's really fascinating, even if you may disagree with it. Let's not start there. What is that? Science, mm-hmm. the differences. Start with the differences mm-hmm. so we can get it down to its essence. Nah, its essence is love. So let's just start there and go the other way. See what grows. Right. They get get somebody on the radio, ask them one question, and see what happens. <laughs> and an hour an hour later, they're going, "What do you mean? It's been forty five minutes. Can't be." <laughs> taking a break early. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Definitely. Because it 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 is. It we 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 have systems and programs, and you know we're going to do this and that, and, and and some of that is necessary. And I don't mean to, but it really is is what you're getting at is is. You don't have to create some global monster to change things. Just have peace and justice in your life and your interactions, mm-hmm. and because that's really all anybody can do. I hate to tell you guys. Mm-hmm. You can't change anybody else. You really can't, except perhaps by them seeing your example. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I would add to that, you know, like we were talking about earlier, just keeping in step with with the holy spirit and that that creates so much so much freedom you know it just to to say okay i i don't have to carry this burden i just need to listen and sometimes be still and uh, it creates a, a different feeling it's not one of of this you know frantic oh i have to do something oh this is so horrible just having that peace and that trust there's a lot of, of value in that as well. Yeah. Some of us have had periods in our lives and illness knocks us down. We we think we were getting ready to go out and wrestle it to death. We were gonna, mm. we're gonna <laughs> grab we're gonna grab this book released by both horns and I'm going to wrestle it to the ground and kill it. <laughs> I have fifty seven thousand interviews to make and I've got to do this and that and a, and you know. God's like, wait a minute, I thought you were following synchronicity and letting me do it and just tell you which way to go. You forgot that spirit thing? What? You? What? <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds. That's oh, no, 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 no. It, it's not. I no, it's, it's, it's a constant, just it's a constant <laughs> vigilance. You have to be constantly, constantly conscious of the choices that you're making, and it is a choice. This choosing to live in alignment with, with your heart, in alignment with spirit, that's a choice. We live in a free will zone. We were give, given free will. We come here with it. It's, it's our God-given birthright, free will. 
So we can choose not to listen. We can choose not to connect. We have the right to do that. It's just much easier if we do connect, if we do listen, if we do choose to follow the path that's laid before us and to accept the help that we're offered. But we're stubborn, you know, like teenage kids can be. Um, we tend to, to rail against the the rules and all that stuff. But it's really, it, it's, it's something that you have to be aware of every day when you wake up. You know, today is going to be a good day because even if I'm not feeling the greatest, even if things aren't going the way I think they should go, I have to trust that they're going exactly the way they're supposed to go for my highest good. That's faith. Faith isn't knowing that everything is going to happen the way I want it to happen, when I want it to happen. That's not faith. Faith is is knowing that everything that happens is happening for my highest good. Whether I can see it right now or not, it's still happening for my highest good. And therefore, it's happening for the highest good of those around me because whatever my highest good is also happens to be the highest good for the world because what, what happens to me happens to the world. It affects the world. And, and, and if you ever feel lost, to just remember that that truth, that guidance is, is in there. You just got to get quiet enough oh, to hear yeah, it. Oh, yeah, it's there. It, it's, to me, it was like the missing piece in the, in the Christianity that I was raised in was, you know, you could pray. But God wasn't allowed to talk back to you. That was, you get locked up for that. There's something wrong with you. And, and there were, but there was also nowhere in the practice for listening. There was just talking. Prayer was just talking in the way I was and raised. That's weird. That's very weird. One-sided conversation, weirdness, talking to yourself thing. Um, and it's that... W- ability and willingness to listen and go it's in part what nikki's first book's all about just uh, nothing happened until she got to the point where she said okay you point you lead i'll go i'll go i'll do anything i give up i got i wow (laughs) you know and because it's in there but it it you know you can draw a map you draw a line on a map, draw a straight line from here to there, and, 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 and that's all great, but you've got to go on the route where there's roads. So it's never really quite a straight line. Is it? So, you know, why do we get so freaked out when we tell God we want to go over there? And he says, okay, well, you want to go over there, that place to the left, first turn right. And you, you go, what? Well, you're gonna, what are you going to listen to, your brain or your heart? And that's the choice to me. Is to listen, are you going to listen to that guidance inside when it, you know, says different. Deep breath, everyone. <laughs> <sighs> we call that letting it soak. <laughs> uh, but that is, that's a, about another uh, half an hour. We want to be sure that people know about uh, your blogging and your lifestyle you, justice and, and all of that stuff. Uh, you, you have a Facebook page, I know. Yes, and my uh, my blog is www.lifestylejustice.com. Easy to find. And I did just I uh, just posted the link for those Connected and Hope uh, scarves from Ethiopia on the Lifestyle Justice Facebook page. In case anybody wants to go and check that out and 
buy a beautiful, beautiful scarf for the spring and send a letter to the, the woman who created it. It'd be kind of fun to get a little kind of flash mob going on <laughs> of sorts. Absolutely. A letter, a letter flash mob. I don't know. <laughs> I love flash mobs. I'm like look those. for that right now because <laughs> okay. I, I, um, I wear scarves a lot. It's a big, warm, comfy one. And so I, I took it on vacation with me and just wrap it up when, you know, the night got a little bit chilly and I've taken it, taken it across the ocean now. So. Scarf nice. around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, slow fabric, slow money, slow down everybody. <laughs> slow but fashion. Just a little. Okay. Just a little. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life life's happening. You're living it. Life's happening. You don't have to like it. It's just easier if you do. <laughs> but it's happening nonetheless. Oh, wow. They're beautiful. Aren't they gorgeous? And what's even more beautiful mm. are the faces. Mm. You can look and you can click on... Uh, Meet the artisans, and you can just scroll past all of those beautiful, beautiful faces and read some of the stories of some of the women uh, who create them. So it's just such a wonderful way to connect with with our sisters halfway across the world. I just I love it. <laughs> awesome. So cool. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Connected in Hope Foundation Incorporated. Mm-hmm. On lifestyle love justice, it. you just go to Facebook, put lifestyle justice. There's a colon after lifestyle, but I bet mm-hmm. you if you just put lifestyle justice that you'll find the page. You can also find it on our page uh, because I have shared the page and I have shared the Connected in Hope uh, scarves. Nikki is indeed a scarf person, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it's kind of my new thing. But Did you? Put them on for being cold this winter and now just feel naked if you hadn't. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't wear them all the time when I go out, but yes, most of the time I do wear hijab when I go up or what would be considered to be a hijab however I wear it just because it feels really comfortable to wear it because not you like because it. it's a religious statement right yeah mm. and I do support the meaning of it I absolutely do support the meaning behind the headscarf in the Muslim, in the Muslim faith yes and speaking of the meaning behind stuff, I just would totally have to share this. If you scroll down just a few little links on the, the Lifestyle Justice page, there is an incredibly powerful short film that I posted called Handprint that talks a lot about uh, the importance of transparency and the, the way that our goods are produced. So that's, that's my fun little plug to, to watch that film. It's just a couple little, couple little minutes, and it's just a beautiful beautifully well done uh, and thoughtful piece. I just love it when artists get involved, you know, when filmmakers, photographers, designers come together and create these beautiful things that help uh, raise awareness and, and promote change. Radio hosts. <laughs> I see that's a Canadian website, sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sassy and sustainable. Is it? Like the whole idea right <laughs> nice. there. Yep. Yeah, and there's so many awesome... Because it is, it, 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 when I first would hear about things like natural and organic, and it was like we were going to have to give up all of our modern conveniences and go move into a teepee somewhere and all wear Birkenstocks, <laughs> you know. 
And it's not like that. It's very minor, these changes. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, they're very small. They're very easy. And um, uh, even if you only do it a few things to start with, you absolutely. know, just start. Well, and that's what I always say. You know, when, when I first started, oh, you, you should have heard me. I would, I would get on my friends for, you know, oh, you're eating that, that type of chocolate, you know. And mm. I just found people don't really want to listen to your message when you're condemning their life choices. And so I, I encourage I encourage people to you know I, I always always share about the products that I love and the the organizations that I found that are doing good. But for some people, that's going to look different. I have uh, you know for right now, I focus on um, purchasing things that I know aren't um, aren't made in sweatshops or made ethically here in the U.S. Um, different things like that. And sometimes I do purchase um, fabrics that are um, uh, synthetic fabrics every, every once in a while when I can't find an item of clothing, you know, but if it's sustainable and if it's made in, or made in the U.S., then I, you know, okay, well, it's, it's got, you know, two out of the three, so, and it'll last a long time, it's an okay purchase, but I have some amazing uh, friends that I've met in the ethical blogging community, uh, one woman who only purchases uh, things that are made from natural organic fabrics that have been dyed um, with, you know, all natural dyes and things like that. And she's very much into um, that type of advocacy. Now, I, you know, do we go at each other for our different choices? Ooh, you know, you buy you buy clothes that maybe were dyed in a certain way that I wouldn't have, or oh, maybe you buy chocolate that's not fairly produced. But we can all do our little things in our own little way. And, you know, I find that once you start the ball rolling, maybe if you just choose, okay, I'm just going to change my coffee brand. You know, I know that I can get fair trade coffee at my regular store, too. So I'm just going to, you know, start small with that one small convenient thing. But then I find oftentimes that it snowballs and you just become so accustomed to checking the label and looking for where things are made that it honestly becomes like, you're you're a sleuth kind of trying to to research and find all of these different things and it becomes really fun like i just find so much joy in in shopping that way and sharing that with others and yes it looks a little bit different for everyone but there's something that we all can do and it does it creates that habit of questioning mm. you know one do i really need this you know I finally figured out that buying stuff, that's okay, but you've now taken responsibility for it. You've got to clean it. You've got to have a place to put it. You've got to put it in its place. You've got to get it out of its right? place and clean it's it every now and again, even stuff. if you don't use it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it, maybe it has maybe. waste stuff. I, it, that spirit of questioning is what leads to things like, uh, you know, you were, you were talking about Minnesota. The folks up in Wisconsin have stumbled on a thing. Um, they make a little cheese in Wisconsin, I hear. Mm, yes. Well, ah. th- they have discovered that one of the waste products from making cheese is cheese brine. It's, well, salt water, pretty mm-hmm. much. And they've discovered that when you spray it on the roads, it melts the road ice. And <laughs> it, it makes it to where if you are going to put some rock salt down, it sticks instead of blowing away. Mm-hmm. So by using this waste product that was being trucked to places to be treated at a treatment plant to be turned into not so ugly, we don't want it waste, mm-hmm. 
has cut their use of road salt by like 40%. Mm-hmm. So they saved all that money. Salt water is not a and harsh it, chemical. It, it does it does better than the rock salt alone to have some that's liquid to make it stick. <laughs> it, it's like it, 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 they did it because it was salt water, and so it's salt. And it but, came from but Mama. But it did more things. Huh? So when it goes back to Mama, it's not going to piss Mama off. That's the key there. And it's less, <laughs> It's you know, then you start following that trail. Now it's less salt that we're going to have to dig out of some ripped open scar on the face of the earth or seawater okay. that we're going to have to evaporate or... Uh, but, you know, they want big big amounts, so they're going to go dig it out of the ground instead of, you know, letting seawater evaporate. That's kind of like watching paint dry. It's <laughs> really entertaining. Uh, you know, That's I've a been good places, idea. I've been places where they do that. They're gigantic ponds of seawater just evaporating. Flamingos love it down there in Bonaire. In the, uh, it's a next-door neighbor to Aruba. But anyway, I, uh, I, I don't think people could ever overestimate the ripple effect mm-hmm. of bringing consciousness to really any part of your life, but particularly consciousness and compassion when it comes to other people, uh, no matter where they're at, no matter I, what that person does on their time off, I don't know, but they came to work, they got up, they got out of bed, they went to work, might not want them to go today, but they went and to make me a shirt so that I could have one. Well, mm-hmm. th- that's a pretty cool thing, really, when you think about it. But that's the thing. It's not conscious. You not think about it. You just oh, I gonna need a shirt. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and uh, so bringing that, bringing that consciousness, that moment to think, respond, don't react. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, soapbox. <laughs> soapbox. A little little soapbox right there at the end. But uh, there we go with uh, an hour and a half of awesomeness mm-hmm. and fun. You're fun. <laughs> love conversations like this it's I'm more and more convinced as time goes by that uh, Alanis Morissette was right the other day in that video when she said that she thinks conversation is that this is the only way anything really evolves is conversation it's a lot of, a lot of power in words absolutely so really simple lifestylejustice.com Mm-hmm. Lifestyle Justice on Facebook. You know, check it out. You can also drop by our website, everydayconnection.me, and uh, we'll have the uh, archive of the show up there with links to all of the yummy. And, uh, and just think about one purchase this week mm-hmm. and see. You'll think about two next week, I bet you. <laughs> so like, like we've been trying to point out, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Big adventure. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, Join us for our next awesome conversation. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Jean and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free. 
just like your everyday connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. $2 six-piece Chicken McNuggets are tender, juicy, made with 100% white meat and making a big splash on the one, two, three dollar menu. Woo! <laughs> and for just a dollar, you can get any size soft drink like a sweet tea, Hawaiian punch, or the one-of-a-kind flavor of a Dr. Pepper. So keep your favorites flowing right now at McDonald's, only on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.